You are listening to audio messages from Sunday mornings at Horizon. It is our hope and desire that this podcast would be a useful tool in your growth and in your walk with Christ. If you've not yet subscribed to our various channels, make sure you do so in order to stay up to date with the most current messages. More information about Horizon, as well as notes for this message, can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we're in part six of the Timothy series, so we're halfway through. I'm not saying there's 12 of them. I can't tell you how many there are, uh, but we're halfway through. We'll finish up chapter two today. We've been using this theme going through, through this is hold it high, guard it well, pass it on. And that is laced through all of this, through every, every scripture that we've gone through thus far. We've talked about gifts. They're not automatic that you have to fan it into flame. If you don't fan, there's going to be no flame. And each one of you who are a believer in Jesus Christ have been given gifts and talents, but you need to flame them. They just don't happen by automatic. We've talked about you can't live a life committed to Jesus Christ without paying a price. Paul's writing this from prison. He's soon going to be beheaded. He knew the price that was being paid. And guys, if you're, and he'll say this again in the next chapter, if you're desiring to live a Christ-like life, you will be persecuted, given. Talked about courage. Courage is not possible apart from a strong biblical conviction. Even those songs that we're talking about, such a strong foundation, but it's based on his word. Talked about God's desire is not to make you comfortable, it's to help you grow up. That uh, that's our job, is to grow in this thing we call faith that he has given us. We talked about a soldier, we talked about an athlete, we talked about a farmer and how all those related to allow, you know, a soldier is not going to allow earthly things to interfere with his duties. An athlete is going to win. Uh, you can't take shortcuts and the farmer is not going to be lazy and waits for the reward of the harvest. And last week, Jeff did a great job. Your mission is unstoppable because his mission is unstoppable. So if you have your Bible smartphones, we're going to be in 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19, and unpack this uh, today. Starts off in verse 14. Keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Verse 14, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them. This word keep and warn, it's one of those words, it's command that Timothy is receiving from Paul Keep reminding, keep warning. It means do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because we forget. 
Why? Because we need to be reminded over and over again, that's right, that's what this is about. This is what I need to follow. And that's why there's drum beats that I will continue to beat throughout my life that he has told us to, uh, really, literally, this is a solemn charge to Timothy, don't stop reminding them. Don't stop warning them. Remind them of these things. And these things is what he just said back in verses 11 through 13 that Jeff covered. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So this trustworthy saying, if we die with him, that means dying to self, we'll also live with him. That's a promise. You have to die before you will live. If we endure, you will also reign with him. There's a sense that someday we will be reigning with Jesus Christ. If we disown him, he will also disown us. This is not that, that all of a sudden we lose our salvation. But this is back to, if you go into the Old Testament, when we continue, when the Israelites continue to fail, 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 he kept his promise, but there are times God just said, fine, you want to live this way? Let's see how that goes, for, go, goes with you. And discipline ensued. If we are, we are faithless, which all of us have been at one point in time and another, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself, his attribute of faithfulness is there and will always be there even though we may fail in that this warning is a stern warning and the stern warning he says in verse 14 remind them warn them before god there's a sense here that guys god's presence is here do we, do we believe that or not that he is here in this place right but he's with you, and I don't understand the omnipresence of God where he can be here. And as I prayed for the churches this morning from Lesotho to uh, Lebanon to India to Nicaragua, as I see those pastors, as I see those places, he's there with them at the same way as he's with us. In the presence of God, warn them. There's a sense of a healthy fear. God's watching. God's watching us. And I will, I will personally keep reminding and warning because God's in this place. That's my job. One of my jobs is to constantly beat the certain, a drum over and over again. Guys, we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. Peter put it this way, 2 Peter 1, 12 through 13. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it right to refresh your memory as long as I'm in the, the, the tent of this body. I'm just going to keep telling you. I'm going to keep telling you. And some of you goes, man, he keeps saying that same thing. That, 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 I'm going to beat that drum. I'm going to beat that. It doesn't go away. Because you may have it, but the person next to you may need to hear it again. Verse 14 goes on to say, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. Now, this is not about defending the faith. There is a difference between arguing over words and opinions and defending the faith. I mean, he, he talks about where, where we're going to need to defend the faith. But he's talking about quarreling about words that Christians, as believers in Christ, we need to stick to the essentials. Quarreling about words, uh, the Greeks classified this as a word fight. 
And <laughs> the Greek satirist said this in, in a debate. He saw two philosophers, a, a, one from the Stoic and then the Epicureans fighting. And he called it a word fight because he said they were too effeminate to fight with fists or swords. So they just fired words back and forth. And he's warning us, don't, children of God, quarreling about words. There's no value. And only ruins those who listen. Uh, my first trip to Africa, with we had seven churches that, in that time represented there. And it was at the end, we were, we were in a hotel, a very fancy hotel in South Africa. And it was evening, and uh, there was coffee set out, a beautiful, beautiful lounge area. We're sitting there, and two of the pastors, they're no longer pastoring in the churches here in town, two of the pastors were going at it. I mean going at it. They were arguing high-pitched voices, they're back and forth, and they were arguing about baptism. And I mean to the point of embarrassment to where I stepped in and said, guys, hey, because I was watching everybody else who was not part of us listening to this as they were quarreling over words. Now, guys, again, there are times where we need to defend our faith. There are times when we can have uh, heated discussions, but it is of no value and only ruins those who listen to them. I mean, there are times, hey, take it to another room. Take it to another place. You guys can go at it all by yourself, but not here amongst everybody else. They're looking at us, and they will not want to have anything to do with either of your churches based on how you guys are going at it. Defend the truth, not opinions. And he's telling, I guess, there's a, there's a time where a place for a debate is there. There's a time when we need to discuss different things, that, that theological things that we disagree with. There's a time and a place, but that place is important because of those who are listening. You don't want to ruin them from ever coming to this place. And this word ruin literally is catastrophe for the hearers. I have to understand, because there's nothing wrong with debate. I love debate. I love having discussions about this. But that is a tool that Satan will use to pull people away from even thinking about the things of God or coming to church. C.S. Lewis wrote a book, uh, Screwtape Letters. And the Screwtape Letters is based upon a senior demon teaching a younger demon about who, how to influence those he's been assigned to. And this is a statement from this, from the older demon to the younger demon. Your man has been accustomed ever since he was a boy to have a dozen incomplete philosophies dancing about together inside his head. He doesn't think of doctrines as primarily true or false, but as, or, but as academic or practical. Jargon, words, not argument, is your best ally in keeping him from the church. how we conduct ourselves in public. What are we talking about? How are we discussing? Because people are watching, and if you don't think people are listening in on your conversations, just like you listen in on conversations, don't tell me you don't lean in and hear this, and lean in to hear that, what's going on. People are doing the same thing. Warn them, guys, don't be quarreling, quarreling about words. Too much is at stake. Verse 15 
Timothy is told by Paul, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the, tr the truth. Some of your translations may say study, be diligent about, do your best. And that's on us. That's on each one of us as believers in Christ. We need to study, be diligent to do our best to present ourselves before God. This is back to the audience of one. Guys, I, of course, I want people to like me. I think everyone wants people to, we all want people to like us. But if that's your sole purpose to, to, li to live in such a way that everyone will like you, guys, trust me, that ain't ever going to happen, all right? I know there's people that don't like me. Don't raise your hands if you don't, if you do. I, mean, I, I, I get that. But this is an audience of one. I'm thinking of Mike. Mike passed away many years ago. He was one helped out outside. Uh, he rode his bike around town, picking up cans, um, and he really couldn't speak that well. Even though I learned later, he could talk on the phone perfectly well. Never knew that till after he died. That if you had a conversation with on a phone, you understood every word he said. But when you're sitting there talking to him, it wasn't. But he would sit back there in the back and sing. Guys, you couldn't understand a word he was saying, but he didn't care because he wasn't singing for anybody around him. He was just singing to God in the presence of God. Prove, present yourselves before God that I'm worried about, I mean, yes, I would like you guys, I, I, I like you to like me, but more importantly, it's what God thinks of me than anybody else. And he's supposed to approve as a workman diligently laboring, doing exactly what he was called to do in view of God watching. Again, we all want God to be proud of us. I, I, I still go back, and I know I've told this story before, when my dad put me on a job to build a fence. It was really my first fence build. I it was a teenager, and it was one of those grape stake fences, you know, where the, it's all kind of uneven, and you need to take a level or every couple to make sure it's all. I didn't concern myself with the level. I was concerned about getting this done. And as you watched it, it started leaning like this. And my dad came over and says, son, are you proud of that? Well, I'm done, dad. But look at it. And he made me pull out every single grape stake and start over again with level, level. And I'm telling you, there's not too many projects I, I start that I don't think of my dad's lesson right there. Because I wanted to be approved by him I wanted my work to be approved because, guys, someday it's going to be looked at. Everything we do in, in, in Christ is going to be looked at. It's going to be judged by him. It's going to be set before him. The first Corinthians talks about that. First Corinthians 3. It's going to be a, our work will be tested. And we need to make sure we're not ashamed, especially when it comes to correctly handling the truth. That God will test the quality of what we build. Will it be ashes or reward? The rightly dividing literally means to cut a straight line. If applied to a farmer, it's making straight rows. If it's applied to a mason, it's laying a straight line of bricks where the line is laid out. That we need to make sure, guys, that we correctly handle the word of truth. And a pastor, 
a teacher needs to very much be that he needs to take time to present him before himself before the Lord get away Lord are you happy with what I'm doing I don't think a lot of pastors take that time to say Lord and, and I mean we can be so busy and I'm speaking for myself pastors can be so busy doing the work of God that they leave God out of it no, they're wanting to do God, but that relationship, that time with God is not emphasized. I love this quote by Charles Swindoll. Beware of overweight nutritionists, attorneys serving prison sentences, physicians who chain smoke, bankrupt financial advisors, and preachers who live contrary to the word of God. I, I, I'm not saying it's easy but I will tell you guys, it's easy to fake it if you want to. It's easy to use the jargon, use the, the terms, coming off as spiritual and dying on the inside. Someday that will always show itself off. And someday it, it will always expose itself. I always say truth is like a boomerang. You can throw it as far away as you want, but it's always coming back. It'll always come back. First Thessalonians 2, 4, Paul says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved by God and be entrusted with, uh, being entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. Um, I think every believer in Christ needs to make sure you're spending time just asking the Lord where your heart is. I mean, David it's prayer, you know, test me and see, T test my heart. See if there be any hurtful way in me, which I love that line, which means there, see if there's anything else I've got to deal with. And the great thing about God, he only gives us what we need to deal with now because there's going to be plenty of other things to talk about later. But if you're not spending that time, how is he going to re relate that to you? All right, Tim, you've got this area down. Now we've got to hit this one. This is an area we need, we need work on. And the longer you live, then you have to repeat the lessons over some things that you forgot. Verse 16 and 17 says this, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Because foolish talk only leads to godless behavior. This is where the coarse jesting, that's where we have to be aware of where our conversations and what we are talking about. Because if you find that you're with people and all of a sudden one conversation and one statement leads to another, and all of a sudden we're in a place that we should not be, and he's warning to avoid godless chatter. Because if you indulge in this, you keep indulging in it, it's only going to get worse. It's only, it's only going to make you more ungodly. Titus 3.9 says, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because they are unprofitable and useless. 1 Timothy 6.20 said this in the first, first letter to Timothy. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from the godless chatter and the opposing ideas that will falsely called knowledge. Guys, we're not exempt. We're not, we can't pull ourselves in the world. God does not expect us to go be a hermit on a hill and get, a, get away from the world. You can't do that. That's not, that's not reality. But just like a doctor cannot help being exposed 
to different diseases and different ailments. Think about that. Every time you, someone goes in the doctor's office, they're carrying something. Hey, can you touch this? What's this going on? <laughs> What's that from? They will do their best as they wash their hands or they put on their mask, they do everything they get. They will do their best to stay away from that. But just like each one of us, we're going to be exposed constantly to dangerous ideas, dangerous thoughts. You have to make sure that you're not being involved in that, that you're not given to this godless chapter, chatter, because the more you're involved in it, the farther down you will go. MacArthur says this, air cannot restrain the flesh, cannot halt, halt the devil, it cannot protect you from the world. False teaching provokes no defense against iniquity and no strength for doing what is right and God-honoring. We have to be careful of our conversations and what we're talking about and why we're talking about it. And if you are in the, if you're dealing with the world, you're sharing your faith, then you're going to be exposed to those things. So be careful. You don't get caught up into that. Be careful that you don't take on the world's ways as you're trying to relate the gospel. It is so easy to slip in that. Avoid that. Make sure you're doing what's necessary and focus in on because he says that kind of teaching spreads like gangrene. And we all we know what gangrene is. And, and in the ancient world, gangrene and cancer were basically related to, related to each other. And the thing about gangrene, it spreads fast. And if it's not cut out and dealt with, just like cancer, it will kill you. It will cause effects in your life. And that's why he said, guys, it's false religion, these satanic lies that are out there, this untruth, it will attach itself to the sinful heart. Do not be a part of it that be careful especially if you're called out you were supposed to share our faith with those who are far away from god so how are you doing how are you guarding yourself in the process first timothy 2 15 16 says do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world the cravings of sinful man the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the father but from the world. James 4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Watch yourself. Yes, I'm in the world, but I'm not going to become a friend of the world. Yes, I'm in the world, and, and I want to share my faith. Any opportunity that I have along the way. I was in San Diego this last weekend. Larry and I go to this real estate conference. It is a real estate conference. Obviously, I'm not a realtor. I guess I'm selling the kingdom of God property up there, I guess. I could, and I go there as a cultural architect. I got cards printed out that says cultural architect. This conference is a bunch of leadership, and it's, it's heavy leadership. But I love going because of all the conversations I get to have. And as Larry will always say, he says, Tim, it's something that it seems like the gay realtors are really drawn to me. I don't know why. I, I, I think I, I, because I'll talk, I'll, I'll listen, but it's always an opportunity to, to share my faith, always opportunity to do that. But you have to be careful that you're not sucked in to the world, although you're relating to the world. Gangrene, cancer has to be cut out or it'll affect the entire body. Verse 17 and 18, 2 Timothy. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Now he's mentioned a couple of guys before we knew nothing about, but we know a lot about this guy. 
he connected himself with Alexander. Alexander was not a good man in the Bible. That's why, you know, Larry and Steph named him Alexander. He said, we're going to redeem the name, all right? Because Alexander in the Bible wasn't a good, good guy. He pulled many people away from the faith. And Hymenaeus got together with him. And later Phileas also got together with him. And it says here that they wandered away. I don't think intentionally, I think when they first found Christ, it was a brand new thing. It was exciting and everything else. But they take, took a detour. And they wandered away, which led to a rabbit trail, a rabbit hole, and down the road. I don't know if their intentions at, from the beginning were intent to hurt, to destroy the faith of some. But that's the danger of wandering away, guys. I remember Micah when we took him to a water park in Texas. He wandered away. Now, he didn't do it because I hate you guys. I'm out of here. I don't want to be a part of it. No, he just did what Micah does. He's looking this and finding this, and all of a sudden he's gone. He had no intent to do that. But what it created in us, obviously, was a state of panic because we couldn't find him. What color was the swimsuit? I don't know. I couldn't even think of what color suit, nothing. All I was thinking about, what was I going to do to the person who had taken my kid? Um, wandering away. Guys, it, it doesn't take much to wander. It doesn't take much to begin to adapt to culture. I'm sure in the beginning, these two guys were thinking, how do we relate to the Greeks, the gospel? But the problem with the gospel to the Greeks was the resurrection. They could not handle the resurrection. So they began to adapt the teaching. Well, it, it's, it's more of a spiritual resurrection, not a bodily resurrection. And they began to take the very tenet of scripture and began to culturalize it. Kind of like what's happening today. What's happening to the abortion issue? What's happening to the gay marriage issue? What's happened to the LGBTQ dash whatever? The danger is now the church is trying to adapt, culturalize, make it more friendly, user friendly. Trust me, that's what I hear constantly. We need to progress. I keep talking about this progressive Christianity. This is not a good word, progress, progressive Christianity, because it's taking the tenets of the faith. Let's change and adapt it to the culture that we live in. And guys, that's where wandering takes place. That's why many have wandered. Maybe some of you have wandered. You begin to think, no, well, this is okay, and this is okay. That's where it begins, and you just keep going down this road. And that's why he says, these guys have destroyed the faith. The world system will always find Christian doctrine either offensive or absurd, always. The only thing that changes is the topic. The tension will always be there, guys. It'll be something next, and it'll be something next, and it'll be something next. And because they, they begin to issue, well, I'm going to, I just saw this, this last week. I'm going to stand up here. This is a, a senator, state representative. I'm going to stand up here and tell you all the things that Jesus said about abortion and doesn't say anything. Because I can't find a verse that says, Killing your baby in the room is wrong. One person said, 
I would have loved to have followed that. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, stand up here and say all the things that Jesus says about raping children. Can you find a verse? No. The principles of scripture are there, of right to life and all these things are there, not specifics. And how easy, see, Jesus never said the word, so therefore he's not for or against it. Guys, the scripture, the whole of scripture needs to be, and the problem is, is you have people today who want to wander away, culturally adapt all these issues to our culture to be at less, less offensive, all right? It's not gonna happen because the gospel is always offensive. Always. Because I'm telling you to die to yourself. I'm telling you to, to receive Christ not only as a savior from your sins, but the Lord of your life to give direction that you're taking your orders from him, not from you. That's absurd. That's offensive. The peddlers of a toxic faith offer nothing and consume everything. Charles Wendell said, I love that. They offer you nothing and consume everything. And the problem today that's different than Paul's day is that technology has amplified the voices in Satan's lies. Wherever you go, Twitter, Facebook, it doesn't matter, Instagram, doesn't matter, YouTube, doesn't matter. It's magnified. And when it says here to destroy or upset, it carries that idea to overturn or overthrow that if someone's leaning into the faith and these, these toxic people come alongside and begin to say this and they say this, they destroy whatever faith they were leaning in on, whatever faith they were trying to understand because the false gospel keeps souls out of the kingdom of God. Second Peter 2, 1 through 2. But there will also false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They're going to say this, and all of a sudden, that well, church, how are you going to respond? We can't lean into this. This is what the truth is. Well, that's absurd. That's that's uh, horrible. And you you are just haters and racists and da 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 da, da. guys. Peter warned it, and we're living it. It's only going to get worse. Paul, told, Paul warned the, the, the elders in Ephesus, Acts 20, keep watch over yourselves and all the flocks which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. I found my new tattoo. Because I'm a wolf hunter. This is the new tattoo that's going to be on my arm. My job is to hunt wolves that will parade themselves in here as sh pretending to be sheep, but they're just wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm a pretty dang good shot. Now, somebody said, wow, that's pretty in your face, Tim. And dang right it is. Because of what's at stake. Be careful. Savage wolves, even amongst your own people that you've trusted. And some of you can think back, oh, yeah, I can name a few. 
who wandered away, who bought into a lie, and who are trying to influence others in their direction. They're destroying the faith of others. But verse 19 says, but nevertheless, I don't know why I love that word, nevertheless. Even though all those things are true, Timothy, here's what you can stand on. God's solid foundation stands firm. Nothing can shake it. My undergrad's architecture, and I remember one of the classes we were learning about foundations and how they're built. And uh, you know, they talked about you know, the pyramids uh, in San Francisco, the pyramid, pyramid building, is foundation is like a boat so that it could rock in an earthquake. Show this video. This is a video of a normal foundation that is set on, and then another foundation that is set on lead rubber bearings, r roller bearings. Can you show this, that video? You got it? Um, just to show the difference between the two. So the one on the right is on a normal one. Here, here's the earthquake. Notice the higher building on the right. The one on the left is the normal foundation, but the one on the right is set up on roller bearings that all of a sudden the same and I love this part because it comes tumbling down. But the one on the right, still there. God's foundation, you can't touch that. You can't shake that. There's nothing that's going to bring his foundation down. That's why all this is happening. Okay, man, there's, there's these two guys, they're destroying people's faith. But Timothy, no, nevertheless, God's foundation, sealed with two inscriptions. God's seal, and how this works, if you have built a building, you put a seal, you chisel in a, a seal, which meant one of two things. Do not, do not enter this building without permission. Do not destroy this building, because if you do, you have to answer to me. And God is saying, I got two inscriptions. The first one says this, the Lord knows those who are his. Let me say it again. The Lord knows who are his. In the midst of all this, in the midst of false teaching, in the midst of people trying to be pulled away, God won't be fooled. He knows who are his. John 10, 27 through 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they will follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. What's it say here? No one can snatch them out of my hand. Let's say that together. No one can snatch them out of my hand. If you're his, he's never going to lose you. John 6, 37 says this. And that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the, him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but will raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up the very last day. No one. Inscriptions set in stone on the foundation that cannot be shaken. The Lord knows those who are his. And no point will you ever have to say, or if you hear yourself saying that, then go to this verse. 
Lord, don't forget about me. He can't. He is faithful. You're his. Nothing is ever going to shake that. That's God's part inscription. There's an, then there's a second inscription set on this foundation. That's our part. Everyone whose names, the name of the Lord, is to abstain from wickedness. All right. You want to call Jesus your Savior and Lord? Then there's something you need to do. You need to live a life that is a testimony to that. Abstaining from wickedness. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Ephesians 1, 4. For he chose us from the... from before the creation of the world to be a holy and blameless in his sight that you need to be doggedly after the fact I do, I'm choosing to attack the sin in my life. My sin's been forgiven. All my sin has been forgiven, nailed to the cross. But at the same time, I'm not perfect. Anyone here perfect? Raise their hand because I'm going to call you a liar right now. No, none of us are. We all fail. We all have problems. We all have issues. Every single one of us. It's how we look at that am i doggedly trying to go after that and uh, repenting of that so i'm gonna get it i'm gonna work that father i need your help in this and like david david kept falling flat on his face but god still called him a man after his own heart because he never gave up as believers in christ we need to be ones who abstain from wickedness that our life is a testimony he promises he's never going to forget me my life should be one that I'm not forgetting him. God knows his own. That's why I love that song, How Firm a Foundation. In your notes, I printed the whole, all the verses to that. And I heard some of you singing it. But I want to play a video of the song again with the words on the screen. And let us really sing it. We don't even know the author of this. That, and the original name to this was Exceedingly Great and Precious Promises. And the author just signed his name, K. But what a great hymn. So let's put that on the screen. Let's sing this again. The words will be up there. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never... No, never, no, never forsake. That foundation as he remembers his own. My job is to live a life to the effect of that, that calling he's called on me and on you. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I mean, obviously, God's been drawing on you because you're sitting in church on a Sunday morning. But if you've never made that step of commitment, you've been coming, you've been checking it out. But you don't know if on that day you'll remember your name because you've never asked him to save you. You've never asked him to forgive you. Maybe today is that day. There's going to be a prayer I'm going to put on on the screen here. I change this prayer every time we do it. Little changes. And I want all of us to say it, but if you're here today, because it starts with a prayer, it's not the words 
It's the intention of the heart. That you're saying, I can't do this on my own. I've been trusting in myself. I've been listening to other lies that are out there. And I don't know everything that there is to know, but I believe that Jesus is the answer to the question. And today I repent of my sin. I ask him to forgive me and to lead me. That's you. I want you to say this loud. Not that the Lord is deaf, but it's just that that's what's coming from your heart. And I want all of us to say this together so that person is not alone. Father, today I repent of my sin that has separated me from you. Thank you that Jesus Christ died in my place. I ask Jesus to forgive my sin and to come into my life. Thank you for giving me eternal life and making me a child in your kingdom. Please begin to direct my life. I receive you, the Savior and the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, for those here who have been following you faithfully, Father, may they be encouraged that the foundation that is set that cannot be shaken, cannot be taken away, is you. And the inscription on that foundation is that you will never forget us. You know, you know who are yours, and you will bring us home someday. Father, may we live in such a way that's a testimony to that. Maybe a testimony to this world that there is something different about us. Yeah, we're a part, we're in the world, but we're not going to allow the world to affect us. We're going to watch our quarreling about things and our chatter, making sure that it's honoring to you and not godless. Others are watching. Others want to believe. They just need to see that people actually believe this, this themselves, that we would actually practice what we preach. And Father, if there's someone here that prayed that for the first time, you tell us that heaven is throwing a party right now with a banner with their name on it, that heaven is rejoicing for just one. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd fill them with your spirit. Father, I pray that we could come alongside them and help them grow in their faith. For this, I pray. Thank you for waking us up today, giving us breath, which means you're not done with us. So that help us take advantage of today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.